0: Good morning, church. Great to see you. Great to have you here with us. Those online, uh, we wish you were here. We're missing you right now, uh, but we're glad you're connecting at home, either right now or later this week. This is um, a week of great celebrations of all kinds throughout the world. Uh, Christians celebrating earlier this week his death, now his resurrections, and Jews. It's Passover, and it lasts about a week, started just a couple of days ago, and um, I'd like to say a prayer for them as we open up and, and pray for our service, that they are Jews who don't know that their Messiah lives, that when they have the Passover bread, and the, if you haven't done a Passover meal, I want to encourage you to get, in, get into that and sign up for one of those, and, and it's, a, it's a great and powerful experience, but there's three breads, matzah breads. And, and one stands for the Father and the Son Jesus and the Holy Spirit because the middle one is broken. And so it, the message of the Messiah being the sacrifice for them is in the meal, and they take it year after year, century after century, and not see it. So let's pray that their eyes would be open as we pray for ourselves this morning. Lord Jesus, it is so good to celebrate you, honor you. And Lord, receive your power this morning in our lives. And Lord, I'm asking, Lord God, uh, that, that those Jewish families that are still observing Passover and having meals this next week, Lord God, that their hearts would yearn for you, that their eyes would open up, and there would be a great revival among Jews around the world. Lord God, we pray for a harvest of souls in Shelby County, Anderson County, Franklin County, Henry County, Lord, Louisville, Lexington, Lord Jesus, where we work, where our family lives, Lord God. We are asking for a harvest, a revival in our region and, the, and in our nation, Lord God. Father, we pray, Lord Jesus, uh, for those in Ukraine right now who this Easter is different than any other Easter they've had. Lord God, that their hearts are broken, their hearts are uh, fearful, Lord God. We pray, Lord Jesus, you give them hope today because of the power of your resurrection. And Lord, we ask that our ears would be open to your word and your spirit, that we receive all that you have for us this day in Jesus' name, amen. Just a word of encouragement about the significance of the Rite of Passage uh, events that are starting a week from today, in Sunday morning, April 24th. 24th. It is a unifying uh, set of teachings and activities that unify the spiritual family and the generations like none other than I've seen. And so it really is a, a, a ministry for the whole spiritual family. It's also a bonding and a unifying time for the immediate family with parents and and their children, and children with their family. It's a time of blessing and encouragement in that immediate family. So I really want to encourage you to make it a priority. So it's really just three different uh, days. April 24th, Sunday morning here, regular service. I'll have a teaching there, but then also you ladies You bake those delicious dishes, you know what they are, we thank you so much. Bring those up, get them set up before church. We'll have a cover dish dinner afterwards and a short teaching there. Uh, Then Wednesday for parents and students, uh, Wednesday night we'll provide dinner that night. We'll start early, uh, get in there earlier, and we'll have dinner and uh, a teaching uh, for parents And and students. And then the following Sunday, May 1st, we'll all be here and we'll have a unique uh, gathering that morning uh, with the rite of passage ceremony. So please just put uh, some priority on these dates. Be here uh, because online you can't encourage somebody over the airwaves, you know. So uh, be here in person uh, if you possibly can. The title of this message is. My Redeemer Lives, and it is connected in my heart to last Sunday's message, uh, from palms to thorns, how quickly uh, Jesus was heralded and, and honored coming into Jerusalem, and then just a few days later, the same people were yelling, crucify Him. But it had to be done that way, and it, it was even prophesied as we spent time in Isaiah 53 last week, that in Isaiah 53, and even looking at verse 10, that this had to happen. It was prophesied that Jesus had to be that sufficient ultimate sacrifice. Verse 10 says, But the Lord was pleased to crush His Son, putting Him to grief. If He would render Himself as a guilt offering, He will see His offspring. He will prolong His days, and the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in His hand. So even in this Scripture where it says, the, the Lord God was pleased to crush him. It was so that he would have offspring of the family of God after him coming into his, his, his home, his family through his blood. And that he would give good pleasure that the Father would prosper him and give him resurrection. And so even in that passage, it saw down into the future, beyond his death and to his resurrection and his ascension back into heaven. I want to just remind us of the resurrection event itself in Matthew 28, where it was actually uh, a few women that were going on Sunday morning on that third day to take care of the body and, and, and clean and treat the dead body. And Mary Magdalene is mentioned in the Gospels as being kind of the key lady of this group. And She's the woman that's known to have had, have had seven demons. How about that in Scripture? Uh, the lady who had seven demons. Well, I bet seeing the smile on her face of being free of those seven demons, she doesn't mind uh, being labeled that way, that she gives glory to God. And here she was uh, looking for the body, trying to find where... Uh, you know where is he, and she sees this thing like lightning and it's it was an angel uh, clothed with white as snow and and the guards that were there protecting the the uh the tomb from being robbed, they just fell over by the power of the spirit, and f- uh, by this power of the spirit and fell over like dead men. It says, and then the angel said to them, "Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who you crucified." And then the angel says more specifically in Matthew 28, verse 6, He is not here, for He has risen, as He said. Come, see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly, and tell His disciples that He has risen from the dead. And indeed, He is going before you into Galilee. There you will see Him. Behold, I have told you. That ancient proclamation from centuries ago comes from this scripture, where it says twice, He is risen. Let's just join the centuries in making this proclamation. Let's do it again. He is risen. He is risen indeed. That's right. Thank you, Lord, that you are risen indeed. <clears throat> I want to jump into three Old Testament stories. I'm going to summarize them. I'm, not, I'm going to try to not to spend a lot of time on them, because I want to then get back to Christ on the cross and His resurrection. But I'm going to take you to where this title, My Redeemer Lives, where that phrase comes from, and it comes from an Old Testament story. It comes from the book of Job. Job, if you're looking for it, it's not the easiest thing to find. It's, It's right before Psalms. And in a moment, I'll refer us to Job 19. But let me just tell you and try to rephrase this story of Job. Because it tells of a Redeemer. And the definition of Redeemer, it's, you know, that's not a word that we use very often. But the definition is one who pays a ransom or a payment to buy back. And in these biblical examples, in these stories, it changes everything when the Redeemer shows up. In the story of Job, what we have is a man named Job and his very prosperous family, ten children. He had numerous servants, properties, livestock. He was known and well-respected in his wealth throughout the East. And in heaven, as the story goes, Satan um, says, you know, you've just just blessed him. That's why he serves you, because you bless him. And as these exchanges happen, God releases Satan to actually attack Job and his family. And even now, even after that, his own body. And and one day, there were raids on his properties and his wealth. There was a storm. Excuse me, let me just drink some water for a sec, huh? Thank you for your patience here. Am I making you thirsty? Are you, like, getting thirsty now? And in one day, he lost all of his wealth. His children died. They were together in the brother's oldest brother's house. They died from a great storm that hit the house. His wife said, why don't you just curse God and die? You might think, well, what kind of supportive wife is that? What would you say if all 10 of your children just died and all your security just disappeared one day? You might say something worse than that. And there he was with boils on his skin. And the rest of this, this, uh, this book of 42 chapters, it's long. The, his, he has friends that come, and, and, and they, they, they're just in shock of this tragedy. These three stories I'm going to get into are, are great tragedies. And they just sit there in silence for seven days, don't even know what to say. And sometimes, that's right, we don't know what to say in the midst of tragedy and sorrow. It's just better just be there, right? And finally, they start talking, and the friends they pontificate these long explanations of why this has happened. Job he he goes into these long explanations and and back and forth with other friends, and the, and and finally God speaks. And when God speaks, Job repents, prays for his friends, and then everything was restored back to him. He has ten. Children again, his wealth all gets returned twice as much as before. But somewhere in the middle of these 42 chapters, there's a few verses that speak prophetically about this Redeemer. Let's look at that, John chapter 19. Verse 23, and starting at 23. Job says, Oh, that my words were written, oh, that they would be inscribed in a book. That with an iron stylus and lead, they were engraved in the rock forever. Well, that happened, Job. It ended up being in the Old Testament Scriptures and, and canonized as the Bible. And it's been powerful ever since. Verse 25, As for me, I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last He will take His stand on the earth. Even after my skin is destroyed, yet from my flesh I shall see. "...shall see God, who I myself shall behold, and whom my eyes will see, and not another, my heart faints within me." Folks, he had a glimpse from the Spirit of God of his God being his Redeemer. And not only for his awful tragedy of that day, but the future of when he does die and destroy, that his flesh will see God. And that God will... Will live and take his stand on the earth. He was seeing into the future and seeing that resurrection is a part of God's work, that it wasn't, it went even beyond the great loss that he experienced at that day. So I want to say that if you've been attacked by the enemy, if there's been darkness that has surrounded you, if you're weary because of the oppression. Depression that you're going through. If there's been great loss and you've been grieving and mourning and wonder, wondering when is this uh, grief going to end? Let me tell you, I have a declaration for you today. And I want you, I want to kind of create a new declaration for us today. But declaration number one says, if you're hopeless from being overwhelmed with darkness and suffering, your Redeemer lives. And when I say, your Redeemer lives, I want you to say, yes, my Redeemer lives. Would you you work with me on that? So let's let's do it. Your Redeemer lives. Yes, my Redeemer lives. Yes, be encouraged. The second story is a story about Naomi and Ruth. Naomi was a Jewish lady. Uh, married to a man, and during a drought season in Israel, and it was really bad. And so the husband and their two little boys they they move uh, their sons. I, I think they're older than the little boys. Sorry for that. They they move to uh, Moab, and after a while, the husband dies, and the boys are getting of age, and they uh, marry two Moabite women. But then, by the ten year mark. Both of these sons died. So now you've got these three ladies with no provision, no protection. A hopeless future. They've been away from, Naaman's been away from her family. Probably estranged, leaving their homeland, going to a, an enemy's land. Uh, hadn't communicated for ten years, maybe more. And... What happens is amazing that's next. Naomi says, you need to go back to your home, go back to your families. And and after crying together and weeping, one of them does leave them. But the one named Ruth said, I'm going to stay in the famous scriptures, Ruth 1, verse 16. And Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or turn back from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. And so Ruth, a Gentile from another nation, decides to go with this older widow. They're both widows, and and they go back to Israel, Naomi's homeland. They haven't spoken to anyone for years. People are shocked to see them. They're poor. They have no future hope, no protection, no provision. But Naomi realizes there's a kinsman redeemer was the term that was developed for this Type of situation. There's a kinsman redeemer in our family. Which means if there is a woman who whose husband uh, dies and there's no heirs to pass on the family line and the family uh, resources and properties, there's no children, then a relative would need to marry that woman so then there can be a, a heirs to their lineage and their line and it could go on and it, it could provide for them. And I'm sure, I know as you read this story, Boaz was wealthy. He was kind, he was generous the way he was helping the poor and helping Ruth and others. And he was probably good looking too, you know. I mean, let's, you know, if it's a real love story, we've got to have a good looking guy in there. But God gives Ruth favor. And Boaz goes to the city elders and he says, I want to make this official and legal, and I want to. Mary, uh, Ruth, and so it happens. Now there's provision, there's protection. Ruth four verse fourteen and fifteen says this. Then the women said to Naomi, "Blesses of the Lord who has not left you without a redeemer today, and may His name become famous in Israel." And in excuse me, Ruth had already had a baby now. Verse 15, may he also be to your restore of life and a sustainer of your old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you and is better to you than seven sons has given birth to him. And his name was Obed, ended up becoming the grandfather to King David. King David is the lineage where the Lord Jesus Christ in his human lineage came from. But watching Naomi's life they said this, the Lord has not left you without a Redeemer today. Let that sink in. You might be in a situation where you're so disappointed, you feel stuck right now. The future to you just it seems and feels dark. It's, it seems like it's hopeless. You're, you're, you're even shocked about where your place is right now in life. There's been circumstances beyond your control. Well, I want to make Another declaration. Are you ready? If your future looks hopeless, from circumstances beyond your control, your Redeemer lives. Yes, my Redeemer lives. lives. I am stepping out, even personally in a way, for big prayers here, big restorations. At this time, I'm not, I'm not trying to, I'm asking the Lord to touch your heart and give you faith that you haven't had in a long time. Early in my study of this material, I thought of my sister Laura. And God put this as a step of faith, believing for our future of our family, a family restoration with my sister Laura. Many of you know my sister Barbara. She's from Atlanta. She's been helping us uh, with uh, different remodeling and, and things here. She's one of the most big-hearted, compassionate women you're e- you'll ever meet. Uh, and and uh, uh, she, I just, we just have such a good brother-sister relationship. Barbara's your oldest, then Laura, and then there's me. Yes, I am the baby of the family. They like to remind me about that, and like, they like to say that I was spoiled. I don't believe that, I don't believe I was, but that's what they say. But I'm going to just summarize the story. I haven't spoken, though I've tried, though I've wanted to, to my sister Laura for over 20 years. And what happened, even a number of years before that, is she joined a church and Bible school, Uh, this would be over 30 years ago Uh, in North Carolina. It looked like it was kind of a new ministry that she had been connected with in the past. Everything looked good, but ended up being a controlled church. And as she joined that church, she cut us off the influence of the family. We would see her a couple of times a year, talk to her a little bit. But as a spirit of control happens, it becomes more controlling. It got into legalism, and now it's a full-blown Bible-based cult. There's a book called Broken Faith Documentary book written on it just a couple of years ago it is It is a a dangerous type cult. it's very serious. she's married, she has three children, a couple that she's adopted, and one she's fostered and she is in communication with my mom and dad for the last few years, mainly by phone call and email and so I have had several of you come up to me release release recently or in a prayer meeting, say the Lord has put your sister Laura on my heart. And another lady here in the church said, please pray for my grandson. I am believing for family restoration, folks, that God did not, has not left us without a Redeemer today. That yes, your Redeemer lives. Yes, my Redeemer lives for the Riley family. There's another story, Old Testament story. I'm going to summarize it. It's a powerful story. It's about Hosea and Gomer. God told Hosea, your life is going to be like me. What I go through as the one who loves his children, Israel. And what happened was, right there in the beginning of the book of Hosea, God has him marry a prostitute. This would be in the northern kingdom. The kingdom of Israel had been divided in two. Uh, the northern kingdom of Israel was just completely unfaithful, rebellious, false gods. The uh, southern Israel, uh, the southern kingdom, Judah, still had some hope, had some prophecies, uh, pro- prophets ministering to them. This was the only prophet for northern Israel, and, and this is what God showed them. This is how I feel. I feel like a husband who's married a prostitute who's, who's totally unfaithful. They had three children, and, and she kept going into unfaithfulness Became a prostitute, perhaps a temple prostitute, because they developed prostitutes for their type of worship they were doing. And there she was on the slave block again. And God said, go marry Gomer. Again? And he did. He was faithful. He said, this is what it's like for me. That my children have been unfaithful and God is called in the Scripture, Jesus is called the bridegroom and we're called uh, the the bride. How could God keep going back? And, and the word Redeemer has in its context a slave uh, context where you're buying back and you're bringing a slave under your care. And that's what Jesus did. He's our Redeemer. He goes to us, the bride, and He says, I'm going to keep pursuing you despite your unfaithfulness. Let me tell you, the gospel is full of good news. Because you have a Father God who sent His Son to be that Crush Him as a sacrifice so that He could buy us back by His blood and with His victory over death and sin and offer us salvation through a Savior. Therefore, we can miss the judgment of God on our sin, hell, and we can instead step right into the blessings of Christ's reward, not our rewards, but His reward of eternal salvation and perfect love forever. The gospel is good news. These three Old Testament stories show of this unending love of God. He's so faithful to us, even when we're unfaithful. Ephesians 1, verse 7 through 9 speak of this powerful work of forgiveness, mercy, and grace. It says in verse 7, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to His riches of His grace, which He lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. He made known to us the mystery of His will, according to His kind intention, which He purposed in Him. Thank You, Lord, that on each one of us, that though our sins be where we count them few or many, it doesn't really matter. It's a sin is sin, and sin separates us from God. Thanks for lavishing Your grace on us. That your blood, there's plenty of forgiveness for me, for you, for all of us. It doesn't matter your past, what you've done. If you try to list them, it's not too much for this abundant grace and mercy from God. So the third declaration today is that if you are hopeless from being discouraged by your failures and your sins, your Redeemer lives. Yes, my Redeemer lives. If you think, no, I'm just dealing with the same addiction over and over again. I can't go on. I'm so discouraged. No, I've, I've done too much. I can't come back to God. No, let me tell you, it is in the book over and over. God, He is faithful to continue to pursue you. The door of mercy is open. Don't miss it. The door of mercy is open. Jesus is coming back soon. I don't know how soon. But as you're living in today's world, it feels soon, doesn't it? It could be any day. We live in a day of grace and mercy. Don't miss it. I want to go back to Jesus Christ. There's several last words that Jesus Christ has recorded in the different Gospels. The Gospels seem to emphasize different ones more than others. It's just that was God's plan in inspiring the Gospel writers. In the book of John, it says this. Therefore, when Jesus had received the sour wine, and there He is lying on, uh, uh, laying, hanging on the cross, it is finished, and He bowed His head and gave up His spirit. What did people think that meant? It is finished. Oh, yeah, it is finished, right, Jesus. We finally got you down. Your power was rising. You had all these crowds following around. But it is finished. You're dead as a door now. You, you breathe your last breath. What was Jesus referring to? It is finished. I believe there, there are several dimensions to what this means. There's a Greek word uh, of the word Finished. And it's this the Greek word here represents a completed transaction. It is a word of victory. And it means, yes, it is done. It's a word that actually would normally you'd be excited to say, it is finished. Yes, it's done. It's completed. We can move on. Let's go. It's a word of victory and completion. But let me refer back to some of the words of Jesus. When He had just finished, in John chapter 4, He had just finished uh, ministering to uh, a woman who had uh, up to five husbands, and who she was living with was not her husband. And she realized that He was the living water, and she ran back to her village to tell everybody that He's the Messiah. The disciples had been gone uh, you know, getting food for Jesus. He was waiting for them to get back to eat some grub. And he says, my food is not uh, of this world. And they're like, "What? who, who gave him some food? Who's who?" who? And, it, and then he says this in verse 34. My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. He was a good son. He was an obedient son. And he had an assignment from the Father. And so just to summarize this, here's the statement. Jesus was obedient to His Father and determined to finish His work even to the point of death. Another scripture like this, I'd refer this uh, last Sunday, that Jesus loved the Word of God, He knew the Word of God, and He was committed to fulfilling the Word of God. And when the temple guard was there uh, all armed and ready to, to arrest Him and take Him over, He says to them in Matthew 26, 56, but all of this has to take place to fulfill the Scriptures of the prophets. Then all the disciples left Him and fled. That's right. He knew that the prophetic Scriptures about Him, His birth, His ministry, His death, they must come about. And so He was going to submit Himself and be surrendered to God's will and to the words of truth. This is a statement. Jesus was obedient to the words of truth in the Scriptures, even to the point of death. But I want to tell you, I believe there's another dimension to this phrase, it is finished. Because His sacrifice on the cross, though amazing that it was, even though He took on our sins, He died an innocent man, He took on our sin, He was punished for our sins. It wasn't His His sins he was being punished for. Even though that's the case, it could have just ended on Friday and not gone anywhere. That's why those disciples were hiding. And it was really Mary Magdalene and and, and a couple others that had the bravery and courage to get out in public and look for his body. The rest were scared. They were hiding. It was over. It was finished to them. It is done. we, We have no more hope left what we've experienced the last three years has come to a sudden end. But that's not what the resurrection is. In 1 Corinthians 15, it's a long chapter. If you just want to read about the power of resurrection, read this chapter. Verse 16 through 19 says, For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are all of all men most to be pitied. So he's saying with all the teachings of Christ over those three years and all the miracles that happened, even this dramatic death on a cross... It was it we're all meant to be pitied if the resurrection didn't happen. Our faith depends on it. Our future depends on it. Our hope depends on it. So I believe it is finished, had more to do, though it was great, that he finished his father's task. That's true. He was fulfilling the scriptures, but there's more. In John 17 is one of those chapters. Uh, there that that's all red, if you have a red-letter edition. That starts in 14, 15, 16, 17. and 18, it stops, because he's he's betrayed. And these red letters are the words of Jesus speaking, and he's doing a lot of speaking just with the 11, because Judas has gone to betray him, and that's what happens in chapter 18, and he gets betrayed. And in this prayer of chapter 17, it's like a whole chapter of just Jesus praying for those 11 and us. He says, those Beyond these. And listen to what he says in this prayer. He's talking to the Father. And I'm going to just read a couple verses. He said, I glorified you, Father, on the earth, having accomplished the work which you had given me to do. Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Folks, before He was on the cross. He is thinking about beyond the cross. He is thinking about beyond Saturday. He's thinking about Sunday being resurrected, then being ascended off the earth. When He lifted off the earth, went back to heaven, and He's seated with His Father again at the right hand of the throne of the universe. He was speaking then in this prayer and prophesying through what tragedy is going to happen I want to show this to you again and what's going on here near His death in Luke chapter 22. He's in front of the the council of Jewish religious leaders. The chief priests and the scribes. And He was being tried there. And they asked Him in Luke 22 verse 67, If you are the Christ, tell us. But He said to them, If I tell you, you will not believe. And if I ask you... Ask a question you will not answer. But from now on, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the power of God. And they all said, Are you the Son of God then? And He said to them, Yes, I am. Before the cross, before He suffered, He was looking to being back on the throne again. He was looking beyond the suffering, through the suffering, beyond it. His faith went beyond that. See, we have a journey, a walk with Christ. This journey is hard sometimes. It's, we have to have endurance to keep moving because of the temptations of life. Life is not easy. And in Hebrews 12, it encourages us to look to Jesus and what He did. Hebrews 12, verse 2 says, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before Him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He prophesied it. He said it. It would happen before He got on the cross. He spoke it. Now now what He says in Scripture, it's got to be fulfilled. He was speaking beyond His death and that resurrection that was prophesied in Old Testament. He's speaking it too. It's going to happen. That it is finished was not just my life on 33 years on the earth that's finished. It was because He had completed His Father's task and fulfilled the Scriptures. But it is finished, folks! I'm going to be resurrected. I'm going to be sitting on the throne again. Let me tell you, all the victory is done. This is where I am. This This is what I believe. This is what's going to happen. I'm telling you what's going to happen. It is finished. And so if it's a family restoration that is aching today, I mean, it's, it's a great weekend with family. We had some pretty weather this weekend. It's just been a great, blessed weekend. But if there's an ache in your heart because you've lost so much, you've lost, like Job, just beyond your imagination and you're, you're in this weariness because it's been so much loss. If it's been something beyond your control and you feel stuck, you can't look, you don't have hope in the future. Or if you say I, Stephen, I, I can't make it back to God. I, I'm too far away. You don't know what I've done. Let me tell you, He's lavished his mercy and grace. There's enough of his blood to forgive us of all of church transgressions. That's I have to believe that for myself. We're all there. In all these situations, no matter what you're in right now, I declare, your Redeemer lives. Yes, my Redeemer lives. I'm going to ask our altar ministry teams to go ahead and come down and be available because I I want them to pray for as many people who want prayer. If you're online and want prayer, we have a phone number available you to call over the next 30 minutes sunday morning and receive prayer and so it could be any of these kind of situations i've dealt with it could be something totally different something uh, you're dealing with uh in your body uh in, in, in a, maybe a procedures coming up perhaps something else going on at work i mean it really doesn't matter we just want to join with you in prayer we don't want you to be alone in that But I'm going to ask you to stand as we get into this last worship song. I'm going to throw one more scripture up. And with this, I'm, I'm using this as an encouragement for this week. Some, some instruction for this week. Colossians 3, verses 1-3. through 3. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. All right? Verse 2. Set your mind on things above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. So that's how I just want to give you a little practical tip here. That you are raised with Christ. He's able by your faith, you're able to join with Him in being raised with Christ. So this week, keep your eyes Keep your heart, your mind set on Him. Don't let that oppression, depression come back. Don't let that discouragement just start weighing you down. Remember, you can come to Jesus. Keep your eyes and your mind set on Him. Let's keep our eyes on God right now in this worship song. I want to pray again for you and then bless you in the week. So let's just wait here. And let's receive what the Holy Spirit is speaking to each one of us right now. All right, we're going to go out rejoicing this morning. All right. We'll okay. Put our hands together and sing this last song. Only just to sit and please You are not afraid when the terror is screaming loud at me You've overcome, you're the God down-